Good morning, church. Good morning, good morning. Uh, this is day 118. We're reading through the Bible in a year. If you're uh, listening, watching to this elsewhere, you can find this podcast at Sojourning the Podcast uh, on all of your normal podcasting platforms. For those of you that have been tuning in, church, today's, uh, this is a, this is a, Good lesson here for us today. Remember the passages are Isaiah chapters 39 to 41 specifically, and also uh, Psalm 118. Talk a little bit about storehouses today. Storehouses and what to do with them. Keeping check on on, uh, how we handle what it is that the Lord has blessed us with. And the balance of all of that, because it's not always so cut and dry. So what am I talking about? This morning um, in our reading, and those of you that are joining us for the first time, or maybe you're just kind of seeing this, we're reading through the Bible in a year. And then as much as possible, out of that 20 minutes, we're taking a passage or um, something that kind of stood out to us, and we're taking that to meditate on it and to think about it throughout the day. And so uh, as much as we possibly can, we're doing a part A and a part B. And uh, church, for those of you that I know you've been waiting a long time because it's been a very long season, um, I am very excited to have kind of been preparing more and more. I have three different guests that are going to be joining me uh, more consistently, either weekly or bi-weekly. Um, to kind of do these part B's. So keep hanging tight for me. I greatly appreciate your your waiting um, and just your, your bearing with me there. But this morning's passage today um, really struck me. You know, this is the uh, this is the point in time where remember Isaiah or the book of Isaiah is the collection of prophecies that Isaiah prophesied from what we really already have read through in First and Second Kings. Do you remember those of you that have been following along where there's those periods of time where it's, uh, you know, aren't these things all written in the Chronicles of the Kings or, you know, vice versa? And then the prophets um, and what they have been prophesying sort of fit back into that big picture. So if you've been joining us and you've been following along for the, the past period of time that we've been doing that, um, there is a very large um, aspect to all of this where you're going to start now really getting a feel. If you've never read through the Bible um, in its entirety before, you're going get to get a feel for the, the places that all of these things fit. And uh, we also, by the way, today's reading, uh, there's also a video in the Read Scripture app for you to watch. There's a new one. So there's two separate videos in Isaiah. Um one in the beginning half, and now there's another video for the second half of Isaiah. Um, anyway, regardless, we're at this period of time where Isaiah the prophet is, uh, we're, we're having a recounting of Isaiah's prophecy to King Hezekiah during a specific point in time in his reign as king. And it's specifically really just just in verse or chapter 39 here, and, and the Chapter 39 as a whole, I think, really, but verse 8 of 39 is where I began to really kind of go, what is going on here? So it just reads, so Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord, which you have spoken is good. For he said, 
at least there will be peace and truth in my days. And that kind of struck me because, you know, it's like, what is he really thinking here? At least there will be peace and truth in my days. He just received this um, proclamation that all of the stuff in the storehouses of his kingdom that he showed to this group, this this son of the king of Babylon, is all going to be taken away, including one or two or a few of his own sons. And yet his response is, well, at least it's going to be good in my day. It's almost like there's this, um, you know, well, you know, it's, it's kind of, oh, it stinks, but at least it's going to be done in my day. But But I wonder if there's a little bit more there. And so it kind of drove me back to look at the beginning of chapter 39. And I got to give you a little bit more background here. So at this period of time, um, Babylon was not necessarily uh, a threat to King Hezekiah. And so at that time, when Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that he had been sick and had recovered. So there's not an immediate threat where Hezekiah is hearing from this other, you know, half ruler sort of, you know, he's he's a big deal from where he's coming from. But Babylon at this period of time was in great, you know, battle with Assyria. And so as Assyria was really the bigger threat to Hezekiah, this is kind of like, you know, if somebody, if somebody, you know, is having a really big argument with another person and, um, the one that you're really close with, you know, comes back to you or, or that's not necessarily a threat to you, but the person that they're arguing with, you've kind of had some issues with in the past, you know, there, there's sort of this, you know, the, the person that, that you find coming to you, like like the Baladan, the king of Babylon, they didn't have anything wrong. And so as they're in an argument with Assyria, they're not a threat in the immediate condition. And that doesn't even be, begin to be, be the issue here. But but so this, this king Baladan of Babylon sends letters in a present to Hezekiah, uh, basically just, you know, being excited that he's recovered from his illness. I don't know if you remember from reading that Hezekiah went through this period of time where uh, he was sick and wasn't sure if he was going to recover. He cries out to the Lord. The Lord heals him. And then after that, this king sends a present to Hezekiah. Now, because of this battle that's happening between Babylon and Assyria, it is, uh, it's been concluded by many theologians that what's really happening is Baladan is actually probably approaching Hezekiah um, in an attempt to bring camaraderie towards uh, their kingdom so that they have better ability to kind of do what they need to do with Assyria. And so where Hezekiah kind of sees this is like this king, Baladan, really has no reason to be writing this other than the fact that maybe he's trying to get something out of it or receive something from him. And Hezekiah welcomes this. And I, you know, I'm kind of putting myself in Hezekiah's shoes here because, you know, he's prospering in the land at this period of time. And in this prospering of being in the land, um, he's accumulated a lot of treasure. And a lot of the treasure is not even just his accumulation. Now, he's accumulated treasure, but his fathers and his father's fathers have been the ones that have accumulated 
and he's just kind of coming back into and continuing to store up their storehouses. And so in verse two, Hezekiah was pleased with them. He showed them the house of his treasures. There's almost a bit of a, there's almost a bit of pride here. And I think that's what I wanted to talk about today. Um, you know, we're in this process of uh, dealing a lot with some bigger moves that really have needed to been had with our church and the parsonage. And um, there's just some things that, you know, it's almost like the things of this world, they're almost like necessary evils, you know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like you need, you need some of this stuff to be able to live and to move and to breathe. And yet at the same time, though, it's so easy for us to find a greater value in them than what actually is there or what we ought or what we ought to actually be having the value for. And there's just so much, right? It's the, the, the love of money is the root to all kinds of evil. It's not that the, it's not that money is evil. Excuse me. It's the love of money that is the root to all kinds of evil. And I think what we're seeing here in Hezekiah's um, response is that for him, there's this aspect of pride. It's almost like, you know, this, this king of Babylon comes and is basically, I'm so happy that you're feeling good, Hezekiah. And Hezekiah goes, I'm, you know, he's very pleased with them reaching out and he shows them the house of his treasures, the silver and gold, the spices and precious ointment and all of his armory all that was found among his treasures, there was nothing in his house or in all of his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. It's almost like this guy is just laying all of his cards flat out on the table with no hesitation at all whatsoever, with no concern, with no care. And it's funny because in many ways he's like, he's, hey, I'm an open book. But in many other ways, this is a really foolish thing to do, you know? Um, and it's all about treasures or, you know, for us, it's the it's the American dollar. They didn't have American dollars back then, but their treasure was in gold and ointments and, and precious metals. And, and Hezekiah and his kingdom's got a whole bunch of this stuff. And he just lays it out on the table for a nation that is not his own, because somebody's kind of brought him and they puffed him up a little bit. And, and I kind of can envision him partly because I probably could envision myself saying, hey, you know, look at this room over here and look at all of this here that was brought in from here. And hey, look at look at the scroll I have, you know, like when you when you possess something of great value. And that value um, begins to take place, not even take place of, but almost join itself to your value as a human being. You know, it's almost like um, Hezekiah is kind of just showing himself off. He lays it all on the table. And then Isaiah the prophet comes. He went to Hezekiah and he said to him, what did these men say? And from where did they come to you? Hezekiah has some kind of like, he's got an inclination here. Of course, we know that it's from the Lord. So Hezekiah responds, they came to me from a far country from Babylon. And he said, what have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah had answered, they've seen all that is in my house. There's nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. 
And then Isaiah says to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So, something has happened where because of this uh, gluttony of pride, or this pride of gluttony, uh, maybe and maybe that's the proper order. Maybe there's just, there's a pride of gluttony, or gluttony of pride. However, you want you want to you know phrase that that side of this. That the consequence for him is that it's all going to be taken away. It's going to be carried off, and along with that being carried off, his sons are going to be a part of it as well. And it brings us now to that initial passage. Verse 8, so Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. Now, obviously, the word that he just received is not good news, right? Um, And so for me, and this is a, there's a couple of different sides to this, okay? So in verse 8, some people would say, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good, for he said, at least there will be peace and truth in my days. There are some that look at this and they say, Hezekiah is um, all about himself and his current days. Doesn't really care about the future of the kingdom. All he is content with is knowing that the punishment or the result or this evil is going to come after him. And it's not going to be a part of his days. At least there will be peace and truth in my days. So I'm, a, I'm good. I don't, I don't really care about anybody else. And I kind of can hear that here. And then there are others, though, that see this twofold. They see the Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord, which you have spoken is good. Because King Hezekiah, remember, is the one that brought the word of God out of the temple. And called a reformation at that period of time. Now, it does say that he still left the the high places, but he did restore a level of commitment, a level, a level of, of worship, a level of dedication to the Lord in the land. And so others would say that the word of the Lord, which you have spoken is good, is Hezekiah acknowledging that his pride is there and there's a result of sin that we all deserve. And I would tend to agree with that, with that ladder that for me, because of what I read about or what we've already even been through with uh, the bits and pieces we have from Hezekiah's reign, that I tend to think Hezekiah is being more understanding here of the two sides that the word of the Lord, which you have spoken is good. In other words, Hezekiah realizes, remember, he's the one that brought the the law out of the temple and the law is about obedience, disobedience, and in disobedience, the consequences of disobedience. That when there's a holy and a righteous God, Hezekiah is the one that called for this great reform. And so there's a place in which 
he hears the responsibleness that he has in the way in which he did this, and the result of it is going to be that the nation's storehouses of gold and things will be carried away. And there's almost an acknowledgement here of what the Lord says is what the Lord says, and it's good because this is who God is, and he acknowledges. It's not It's not a, you know, I can do anything about this, and then there's at least there will be peace and truth in my days because God had already committed to Hezekiah that in his days, there will be truth and peace in his days. If you remember from also from previously when we uh, were reading this, this aspect of Hezekiah and the way in which he reigned over the people of God in the season that he did. And so, you know, whether or not you're on one side or the other, um, because sometimes passages are like this, right? I mean, there are there's there's much left to be thought, and um, things are not always as cut and dry because we're not necessarily there. What we do have is what's recorded, and so for me, it kind of drives me back to the beginning here, where something about I uh, about Hezekiah's pride is what's caused his storehouses to be plundered or what is going to cause his storehouses to be plundered. And, um, so in that, in that very aspect of things, there's, there's, there's that two part. It's like, what do we do with the things that we have? You know, is there, is there too much pride in them? And then beyond that, how do we live with them? You know, um, I'm doing this study through, I'm kind of just sort of like relooking at the aspect of money in the Bible. I'm teaching through the gospels and the new Testament on Sundays and Jesus speaks so much. He uses money as an example in so many of his parables to relate to and to grab a hold of his listeners. And I've noticed this before, but I think what mostly grabbed me is in studying a couple of weeks ago, um, one of the commentator commentaries that, that I read made this idea that the, you know, he made this observation that the reason that Jesus speaks so much and uses money so frequently is because money is something that we all can relate to. We all know how it makes us feel. We all, like we're all drawn to it. It, it has this value in it that's so uh, universally understood almost um, that he uses it to kind, of, to kind of grab our attention. And so as I'm, as I'm reading through this, there are different responses to different types of, of treasure or money, right? I mean, you have, you have the woman with the alabaster of perfume Literally, that that's all that she probably had. I mean, to have this thing, it was like, it was like like a treasure of this. And Jesus is content with her wasting it, as the Pharisees and Sadducees saw and and understood it to be, on Jesus himself. And yet, then you have the the rich young ruler and the call uh, for him to to give all of his possessions away. And then at the same time, we have Jesus's. Um, 
calls of the of the wise master and the foolish servants where he gives each of them a denarii and there's three of them and one takes it and he makes threefold and the other you know does a little bit less than that and then the the other one takes what he did have and he puts it in the ground because he's afraid he says you know I know the kind of master that you are and so instead of doing anything with this I didn't want to lose it so I just buried it for you here it is and he like sends him away so there's this other aspect of well wait a minute it doesn't just mean we throw money away and then it reminded me I was reading this earlier today this is Luke uh or yesterday this is Luke 12:13 then one from the crowd said to him teacher Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Here we are, inheritance. We're talking about money. We're talking about storehouses, right? Whatever's left gets divided up. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. He's the executor over the will, and he's not doing what he needs to do. But Jesus says to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them. Here we go with parables, church. Saying the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room for to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And so, you know, money's this money's this crazy, funny thing. And there's so many different aspects to it, I think is what is going around in my mind and in my head but from our reading specifically, I think what stood out most is the possibility, the great possibility of pride um, coming in within those storehouses. And I think there's a lesson to be learned here from Hezekiah. And I don't even know, I'm not even saying that, because here's the thing, the problem was not that Hezekiah had all of these treasures, the problem is that there was something in his heart that boasted about those treasures beyond what they should have been. And I think partly because many of those treasures weren't from him. They were just, they were, they were inherited by him. And then the other side of it is that even the things that he did bring into the storehouse, he took such disregard with that he was willing to do whatever was foolish in the in the eyes of anyone really I mean looking at this is like why would you let somebody come in and look all of this stuff you know at some point you have to have some concern and care I like to call the, call it stewardship over um and I would say that there was kind of this pride behind the scenes and so I wanted to leave that with you this morning right so we do this bible reading plan we spend 20 minutes in the morning and then um, to meditate on it throughout the day. And so what am I going to be thinking about? First of all, I'm going to be taking inventory because for me, I find so much correlation between the responsibility of what we have and what we're called to be stewards of 
in being able to settle my heart and my soul and help to direct me and lead me to where God really wants me to be spending my time and my energies and what's really most important. And I think sometimes, especially in our culture, we assume that having more is the better product for us. And it's not even to say that it's not all the time because the Lord's the one that expands territory and takes it away. But it's a it's a call to me to 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 remind myself to kind of take stock again and in the taking stock be seeking the Lord continually and not treat those things as flippantly as I read and hear Hezekiah doing with great treasure because there was value in it. I don't I don't think the lesson here is that God's saying the things on the earth don't matter. There's clearly, you know, what drove nations to fight against nations was the ability to accumulate what those nations had. So there's not the 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 ignorance of value. It's the heart of those who possess that value and what they do with it. And uh, there's a lot of that going on in my heart and my life right now. And so, I don't know, maybe that helps you this morning. Maybe it's something for you to think about and to consider is, you know, what what does your storehouse look like? If you have an abundance, do you tend to boast about it more often than not? Is that the right thing for you? Do you uh, tend to hide it and not use it at all? You store it up for yourself. And the more that you accumulate, you're on the other side of that parable where you just rip it down and build bigger storehouses and you keep things where they are. Um, But again, sticking with the context of where our verses are, I think this morning for me, there's that money is the root to all kinds of evil. And one of those things that can come up with the possession of things is pride. And inside of pride, there comes carelessness and, you know, puffed up heads and puffed up, you know, desires and things start to go crazy. You know, I think we, we all can relate to that. There's a reason why, you know, they say, I think they say like 95% of people that win the lottery and make the millions of dollars end up becoming worse off financially within the first five years than they were before the one, they won the lottery. You know, there's something about, um, there's that quote that I, that I like to say, many of you have already heard me say it consistently, but don't let life take you where your character can't keep you. It's almost like, like Hezekiah was in this place of great abundance and his maturity level really cost generations after him, um, the plundering and the loss of all of it, you know? So anyway, I'll leave you with that. Remember, the Lord is the one that searches our hearts. Jeremiah says, uh, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. And then he asks that glorious question, who is able to discern it? And then God responds and says, the Lord is able to discern it. And so I'd leave you with that. Let the Lord discern your heart. And a part of that heart, though, is what you hold as treasure. And what you hold as treasure is a part of your stewardship. And so what do you do with it? How are you responsible with that to the Lord? I'll leave you there, church. I love you. I'm glad to be able to come back and do this a little bit. I'm really looking forward to being able to have some more discussions with a few few of my uh, my good, good friends. 
over the next coming, coming weeks here. So be on the lookout for those things. In the meantime, remember, continue sojourning with the Lord. This is not our home. But in the meantime, we are here and we are called to live as sojourners, possessing yet holding with open hands all things before our God, desiring and wanting and cherishing him above all else. Be blessed today, church. We love you. God bless you. Thank <laughs> you.